What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. When I was, you know, I don't know, 15 years old, my my father sent me to a, a psychiatrist, a counselor, you know, so anyway... But you know what happens when a patient goes to the office of a counselor? You know, the, the, the counselor sits at his desk, you know, and usually behind him there's all these diplomas and plaques, you know. A first-time visit, you know, the patient's sitting there, and the patient is, is straining his eyes, you know. Where was that, Glenn? You know, the, is that a fly-by-night internet university? Or, you know, <laughs> what does it say? You know, he's a, you know and, and you look at all these credentials, you know, on the wall, and you're basically trying to come up with the, is he qualified? <laughs> Can he help me? You know, and all those diplomas and so forth, they're all basically saying, I'm qualified, I'm qualified, I can help you, you know? So what are the credentials of the Lord Jesus Christ that makes him the wonderful counselor? What are those, what are those diplomas that he's got on his wall? when you go and you sit down. Well, the first diploma that we see from this verse here is he has a diploma that says, the mighty God. (laughs) The mighty God, okay? Now, that means he's our creator. He's our creator. He's a wonderful counselor because he's our creator. And what have we just been singing about? Jesus knows all about our struggles. He knows all about our struggles. He made us. He made us, and so therefore, he's qualified because he's our maker, okay? Second, another diploma that's on the wall of the Lord Jesus is it says, experienced in griefs and sorrows. Experienced in griefs and sorrows. He's got a diploma in griefs and sorrows. Why? Because of Isaiah 53.4. Isaiah 53.4 says, surely he hath borne our griefs and our sorrows. That experience, that experience gives him the qualifications, it gives him, it qualifies him to give us, in place of our griefs and in place of our sorrows, his joy. His joy, as it says in Nehemiah 8.10, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord, speaks about, is our strength. 
The next diploma says uh, up there is experienced in our weaknesses. Experienced in our weaknesses. Why? Because in Matthew 4, 2, when it talks about when he was in the desert and he was going through the 40 days of fasting, and it says there in Matthew 4, 2, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered, hungered. I'm hungry after 40 minutes. He was hungry after 40 days. So hungry, hungry. And then when he was on the cross, when he was on the cross in John 19, 28, John 19, 28, it says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. He said, I thirst. I thirst. That qualifies him to give us his strength in the place of our weakness. Like it says in Ephesians 3.16. Ephesians 3.16, it's a prayer, and it says that, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his grace, of his glory, to be strengthened in the inner man by, with might by his spirit in the in inner the man. Darkness. So that's what he does, is because he's qualified in our weaknesses. Then he's got he's got a diploma up there again on the cross in Matthew 27, 45. Something incredible happened for a period of three hours. Matthew 27, 45. From the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So the darkness on the outside was nothing compared to the darkness he was experiencing on the inside as he was abandoned by God, and he cries out, why did you forsaken me? That diploma experienced in our darkness, it qualifies him to give us light in place of our darkness. As it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, next diploma he's got on his wall, it says, experienced in the death that threatens us. Threatens us. Experienced in the death that threatens us. Experienced in death that threatens us. What does it say in Romans 14.9? Romans 14.9. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. What does it say? What does he say to the Apostle John? What does he say to the Apostle John in Revelation 1? He says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys of hell and death. What's that mean? That means he's qualified to give us his life in place of our death. When he said that, he said that, to you remember, he said that uh, when he was standing in front of Lazarus' dead body in John eleven twenty five. In John eleven twenty five, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, or as we've said, believeth into me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. See, all those diplomas, what are they basically showing here? It's showing that the Lord is a wonderful counselor because he's qualified. He's very qualified to have, because he has this personal, intimate knowledge of all that we're going through in life. 
Hebrews 4.15 explains it like this, Hebrews 4.15. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. See, it's a very important word when it says touched. Touched, because it means he's not just academically familiar, you know, not just like I study these courses at these universities and I understand your problems and never experienced anything like that. No, he's, it's not like he's like that, because he, but he has personally gone through and he has walked what we have gone through. That makes him a wonderfully qualified counselor to us because he's experienced what we've experienced. And for those who've gone through the terrible feeling of abandonment, through divorce, or through the loss of a loved one, he's wonderfully qualified, and you can say there's another one up there that's experienced abandonment, and he said he's wonderfully qualified to be our counselor because he experienced the abandonment by man when he was at the cross in Mark 14.50, Mark 14.50, where it says, they all forsook him and fled. And when he, and when he came, onto the, came to the cross, he had this on his mind. He was thinking about this. It was weighing heavily on him because he knew that this was the prophecy that they were all gonna be scattered. He knew the prophecy says this is gonna happen now. He knew Zechariah 13.7, Zechariah 13.7, where it says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, which is what happened to him at the cross. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. And he quoted that prophecy. He said that to his disciples in Matthew 26, 29, which shows it was so much, so much on his mind. Matthew 26, 29, where it says, but I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives and saith Jesus unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. That's exactly what happened to him in the Garden of Gethsemane there when he was arrested. They all ran. And it was so hard for him when he looked for some help. He wanted some help. He wanted some comfort. He wanted some compassion. He wanted some pity from his friends. And he speaks about that in Psalm 6920, Psalm 6920, when he says, reproach hath broken my heart. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. See, his heart was broken. He was full of heaviness. He says he was full of heaviness. Why? because it was the heaviness of bearing our sins on him. From Isaiah 53, 4, surely he hath borne our sins, borne our, borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows. And as it says in the next verse in Isaiah 53, 53, 5, Isaiah 53, 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And then in the next verse, in Isaiah 53, 6, Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He experienced what no one should ever experience in that abandonment diploma, that abandonment degree. And as we've said, when he cried out in Matthew 27, 46, when he cried out in Matthew 27, 46, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
this is an area of abandonment of one of the things that's being referred to in this Hebrews 4.15 where it explains he was touched in every point with the feelings of our infirmities. Infirmities, infirmities, weaknesses. It means when we are weak with hunger, when we are weak with thirst, when we are weak from just fatigue, he's experienced that. He's experienced that. And so that makes him qualified to be our wonderful counselor. So we've seen how he's been qualified in all these different areas. But, you know, one time a dear friend asked me, he said uh, to me, he says, do you know a good Christian counselor for him to go to? And I said, I don't know a good Christian counselor, but I do know a wonderful counselor. (laughs) Many of my friends, I don't know what it is about my friends, but anyway, my high school friends, many of them went to college and they majored in psychology. And I know why they major in psychology, because I would have said to them, you need to major in psychology. (laughs) Because they all had psychological problems themselves, like we all did. And they were trying to find themselves. And some of them went to become psychiatrists and psychologists. In fact, one of them practicing in La Jolla now, but she doesn't like to talk to me because she says, I don't talk to people that were in my synagogue. Anyway, but never mind. They, they, (laughs) They had to be taught how to counsel those in their training. And they had to be taught how to find the answer to their own problems. But the Lord Jesus Christ didn't have any of his own problems. Because in Isaiah 40, verse 13, Isaiah 40, verse 13, it says, who has directed the spirit of Lord? Or being his counselor hath taught him. No one taught him. No one taught him. Who being his counselor hath taught him? The Lord's a wonderful counselor because he didn't need to be taught the counseling. As it says in Romans 11.34, Romans 11.34, who hath been his counselor? Nobody. And because he didn't need teaching, he didn't need any counseling, the Lord's teaching is unique because uh, in Sigmund Freud's book, classic book on psychiatry, you know, called The Interpretation of Dreams. On page 64, you know, there's a quote there, and it says, Sigmund Freud said, the luggage of a travel is the burden of sin, by which one is oppressed. And then you know what else he quoted, which was amazing to me. He's quoted, he said, quote, we understand the words of Christ that out of the heart come evil thoughts. Wow. Anyway, the Lord Jesus is the wonderful counselor because he does not have to remember page 64 of Sigmund Freud's book on psychology. He doesn't have to get out his notes from Psychology 101. He doesn't have to go find his reference book. He doesn't have to go back to his his university notes, because Isaiah 40, verse 13 says, who, being his counselor, hath taught him? No one. That makes him a wonderful counselor. You know, I, when I came back to the States from, uh, from high school in Switzerland, and so full of sin and, and the French teaching at that time, which was existentialism, which basically says there is no truth. There is no absolute truths in the world. I mean, I had so many problems. And I was so hopeful that I went into the university there in 1968 that finally I was going to find the answers to my problems at this fountainhead of knowledge, the university. I was so frustrated because at the university, it only added to my problems and because I I found no absolute truth and no help. That's what makes the Lord Jesus Christ the wonderful counselor because unlike the university, he teaches absolute truth. When he says things like in Matthew 4.4, 4, Matthew 4.4, 4, when he says, man shall not live 
by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God doth man live. The man shall not live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of Sigmund Freud or B.F. Skinner or some other teacher. But the Lord Jesus Christ is our wonderful counselor because he uniquely teaches us that we live by every word that came out of God's mouth, the word of God. And then he says, and as far as far as feeling of defilement, he says in John 17, 17, his counsel is, sanctify them through thy truth, John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. The Lord Jesus Christ is the wonderful counselor because he didn't teach man that, well, you can be cleansed from your sin and you can become sanctified by just becoming a good person, just by turning over a new leaf and doing good works. He's a wonderful counselor because he uniquely taught man that you are washed, you are sanctified by the word of God. As he told his disciples in John 15.3, in John 15.3, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. That's what makes him the wonderful counselor because unlike the university that teaches things like the source of skin is your circumstances in life and your situations in life. That's the source of your sin. He says, no. The source of your sin was exactly what Sigmund Freud was quoting in Matthew 15, 18. Matthew 15, 18, where he said, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemy. These are the things which defile a man. And so when I went to the university, I thought I'd come, okay, now I finally come to the hidden treasure chest of knowledge. Here we are, the hidden treasure chest of knowledge, and I was so disillusioned because I left more hungry, more thirsty for wisdom and knowledge than when I came. But when I came to the Lord Jesus Christ, I finally found what I was looking for. I finally found in him this hidden treasure of knowledge, which is described in Colossians 2.2. Colossians 2.2 says it like this, Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians 2, it's a great chapter. Colossians 2, verse 9. Colossians 2, verse 9, a few verses down, it says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him. See, for these reasons, unlike the university, the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ was just as Job described it in Job 36.22, Job 36.22. But who teacheth like him? That's what he said about God. Who teacheth like him? He's a wonderful counselor because nobody teaches like him. Look how he taught that Samaritan woman in John 4. I mean, that was just wonderful. In John 4.10, where we read things like, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto saith to thee, give me to drink? Thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And then a couple of verses down, John 4, 13, John 4, 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water in the well shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And then she understands and she responds 
in the next verse, John 4, 15, John 4, 15. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, right on. I have no husband. Thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that thou saidest truly the woman. And then the woman said, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. We look at this and we say like Job says, who teacheth like him? Who teacheth like him? His teaching is so wonderful because he's explaining and he's inviting at the same time. When he says in John 4.10, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith unto thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest asked of him and he would have given thee living water. And then he explains, he says, look, the water you're drinking from, it's gonna make you thirst again. But if I, you take the water that I'm gonna give you and never thirst, and it's gonna be in you, this well of water springing up, it's constantly coming into everlasting life. And that's wonderful teaching. That's a wonderful counselor. That's a wonder, he as the wonderful counsel, as a wonderful counselor was teaching her that there was a gift from God that she didn't know anything about. He was teaching her, there's a treasure you don't know, and that treasure is everlasting life. He, as the wonderful counselor in that situation, was teaching her that there is a continuous fountain gift from God, a fountain of everlasting life that never make her thirsty again. And so he says to her, and then she responds, and then he goes on. He, as the wonderful counselor, told her, he said, all you need to do is ask him for this marvelous living water of everlasting life. And she responds, she said, I'm asking, give me the water, give me the water. But then he as the wonderful counselor taught her not so fast, not so fast, because you can't have this eternal life unless you deal with one issue in your life. He is the wonderful counselor was teaching her when he said, go call thy husband and then come back. And then she said, I have no husband and so forth. He is the wonderful counselor was tenderly teaching her, you've got sexual sins that are so rampant, that have so, been so rampant, that you've got to confront and confess. You've got to confront and confess. You've got to confront those, name them for what they are, and then you have to confess them as a precondition before you can receive this gift of this soul-quenching, living water of everlasting life. That's a wonderful counselor who's doing teaching there. And then we see that he's the, the wonderful counselor because of the source of his counsel, the source of his counsel, which is explained to us, the source of counsel. There's two counsels. There's two counsels that James talks about. James talks about two counsels. James 3.17, he explains about the counsel that's from above, which is what he has, that the wisdom that is from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good works, and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's the wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the source of his counsel. It's from above, and it is above all pure and clean and not in any way promoting sin, not in any way. By contrast, the wisdom of the world is in James 3.15, James 3.15, where it says, the wisdom descendeth not from above, it's talking about the wisdom of the world, but is earthly, 
sensual, devilish. Earthly, sensual, devilish. See, that's the, but above all, the wisdom of the world is sensual and devilish. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.